We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Zach Zaidman and Tom Thayer on Sports Radio 670 The Score, an Odyssey station. Broadcasting live from the Score's Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We're in for Mully and Haw this morning until 10 o'clock, and we are so lucky to start this hour. The Coom Dog is on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Coom Dog, Ron Coomer with us. He was here this past weekend for Cubs convention, and I, I it was awesome. It's been so long since we had an opportunity to meet and greet with uh, the great Cub fans, uh, not just in Chicagoland, but across the world, and they all come to, to Cubs convention. Uh, there is a palpable buzz, Coom, after this weekend when it comes to the Cubs, and we saw it firsthand. Yeah, it really is. Z. Um, good morning, boys. It's nice to talk to you. It's great to see you this weekend, Z. And uh, Tommy, always great to talk to you. Yeah, coom dog. Uh, but yeah, it was great. You know, it, it's just, you miss all that, right? I mean, for years and years, the, the baseball season for Cub fans was started with the Cubs convention right here in January. And, um, you know, during the, the COVID situation, we've lost that for a few years. And um, we got it back um, this year, and um, opening ceremonies were fun, and, and it was exciting, and you did. You felt the, you felt the buzz of the fans, and uh, I just love it. I, I think it's – Tommy, I, you know, we've been in, in sports and Z all our lives, right, all our adult lives. The Cubs convention is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never – there's thousands of people jam into the Sheridan Hotel who do a great job – and you talk about fanatical Cub fans. If you don't get fired up about the season, something's wrong with you. you Kuma, you know what I liked about the convention is, as I got to say, and I'm sitting here on radio, but I'm going to talk. I, I, I watched I watched some of it on TV, right. on the Marquee Network. But I like the exposure that we as fans get to players without their hat on, without covering their face with a glove while they're at the mound and having – conversations and you get to see these guys expose a little bit more of their off-season personality and I think it's a real treat for those of us that are just fans we don't have any in-depth you know knowledge of baseball and all the secrets but to, to learn a little bit about these guys I you know that's that's what I love about the conventions you couldn't agree more I just in the opening ceremony to watch Matt Mervis who you know had one of the most incredible minor league seasons in three levels last year. Actually, I think four levels, but one level just for a short time. Um, walk by, you know, walk by, you shake his hand, you go, oh, okay. Now I get why he hit 37 home runs. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big, strong kid, man. <laughs> okay, I get it. Uh, and to see Canario, and, and some of the young kids come by, and, and you know, one of my all-time favorites who's no longer playing is Pedro Strope. Just to see Stropey's outfit made my convention. <laughs> He's the best dressed dude. 
I told Pat I'm going to get him a pair of those shoes for the for the Hall of Fame if I can afford them. You know, because with Strophy, you never know. But he had <laughs> diamonds in his heels of his shoes, bro. We don't have that where we come from, Tommy. I tell you that. Isn't, we isn't, just don't that. isn't that the guy that Joe Mann said wears the most cologne in the on the oh, yeah. t- team? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Strophy is style master from head to toe and one of the nicest human beings on the planet. So it was great to see him. But it was. It was great to see uh, Dansby and see him and the influence he's already having on some of the young players like Nico. And they're already palling around, which when your shortstop and second baseman are palling around, that's really good news for the organization. That's how it should be. So there were a lot of good things happened this weekend and some fun to see. Hey, Coomdog, have you ever played on a team with a, with a Notre Dame graduate? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You have. Because uh-huh. I'm just saying with the, the Cubs' new first baseman, that's, you know, Notre Dame background. And I was just cu- I was curious if, you know, if you've been around a lot of Notre Dame players. And I know uh, Craig Council – He's a, he's a Notre Damer too, and yep. you know what do they? What type of reputation do they carry into the major leagues? Is that the school that has respect for the players that come out of it, or are they still searching for respect? To, you know, have productive players. No, very respected, very respected for a long time now, Tom. Um, the thing that you know happened years and years ago when Pat Murphy, who now is Craig Council's bench coach, right. When Pat took over that program at Notre Dame, right after you had left, it was shortly after you left, right? Um, I would say you were probably winning Super Bowl rings, <laughs> and Notre Dame was taking off as a baseball program. They were a club when you were at Notre Dame. Right, Tom. right. And, and almost embarrassing, right, for a school like Notre Dame to have a baseball club and not a team. And Pat came in there and turned that program into, you know, a powerhouse top 25 program. And then went to ASU. So since Murph had been there, that program has taken off. It has been, you know, one of the one of the better, or I want to say one of the top twenty five baseball programs in the country, right? And whether they're in the top five, ten, year after year, you know, that is neither here nor there. But you know, you've got a really, really good program when you go to Notre Dame. Plus, you know, the school and all that speaks for itself. But um, for Man City to come here. Everybody knows he played great Division One baseball. Um, it's very good. He's one of those quality people. Um, and his life story is just right. off the charts, too. So I have not met him yet. I've seen him play a lot. But when you come from Notre Dame, you know, a good Midwest guy, right? Went to school there. Uh, and you know he walked the class through the snow. So I tip my hat to that, too. Talking some baseball and more with Ron Coomer here on the score. Zach Sadman, Tom Thayer with you. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the uh, – the reported signing of Trey Mancini, who is another Cub that comes in with championship experience. And and I had a chance to chat with Kyle Hendricks about this and whom you called Mancini uh, another quality guy that the Cubs have brought in. Hendricks mentioned that, you know, you, you started to look around the room at, at Cubs convention and nearly everybody that they've brought in is considered a quote-unquote good guy with championship right. experience. That matters when you're trying to take a whole bunch of young Cubs, a young nucleus, and teach them the ropes. I, I like the mix that's been assembled this offseason. Well, I think from last year, Z, we saw it you know, after the trade deadline and the Cubs unloaded some really good people 
especially the bullpen, right? They unloaded some really good people last year. And, you know, you knew that was coming. And so did they. So did the guys, the Robertsons. And some of those guys got sent out. And um, you knew that was coming. Um, but the Cubs reloaded. And I, and I really believe when you reload and you want to build a championship caliber team, the young people need to know what that looks like because that's just not something that just happens, right? They're, that is something that's passed down from generation to generation of player. When Tommy first got to the Bears, you know, you had a head coach and you had some guys that have been, you know, playing at an elite level. That's, that's a skill that is, is taught because to be a championship caliber player in any one of our sports, you have to be um, selfless, right? It's, it's about winning first. Then, you know, it's the team before me. Right. And, that is a skill that isn't always, you know, in the forefront for players uh, because you have to take care of yourself and your own business side of it. But um, the Cubs have done that. I think Hosmer was another great sign. Um, I've talked to the people in Kansas city that are friends of mine that I've played with. Um, they loved him to death. I watched him play a ton of ball games in KC and everything about him they've loved. Um, he's a little older, so he's going to be a perfect guy to help Mervis, right? Get his feet underneath him here in big league camp. So a lot of, lot of pluses um, for big league people, quality big league people coming to the Cubs this year, which last year we had a few. And then after the deadline, we had a lot of young, young fresh faces. Hey, Coom, without ever being on the mound since the end of last season, where are the Cubs better right now than they concluded the season? Definitely in the starting rotation. Um, you know, the couple signings, Tyone, he's, he's um, going to make us better. I think Kyle Hendricks, after talking to Kyle, and see you talked to him too, mm-hmm. um, Kyle may, I think he, I don't really don't think he pitched healthy last year at all. He probably won't say that because he won't make an excuse, but I think Kyle's going to be healthy this year and stronger. And and some of our young guys, um, Tommy, that either, you know, made some, some positive steps in the rotation like Steele and, and some of the guys in the pen, I think made some strides forward, big ones, right? That can really eat up big innings for the Cubs um, in high leverage situations, eating up big innings, in non-leverage situations is one thing. Eating up big innings in leverage situations, high leverage situations, is an entirely different part of our game. And I think we got some guys now um, that can do that. Ron Coomer is with us talking some baseball here on The Score. Do you have a better idea now of what the corners are going to look like for the Cubs? I mean, we know what they're going to look like up the middle. You got a gold glover and Ian Happ in left field. Say a Suzuki is the right fielder. But at first base, you have Hosmer, you have Mancini, there's Mervis. Is he going to be part of the mix? And then at third base, what do you have? Wisdom, Morell? Is that what we're looking at right now? Yeah, that's exactly what you're looking at. See, I think for Mervis going into this season, um, opening day, unless there's injuries, and we know that can all play into it, it's going to be tough for him, I would think, to make the team, right? When you sign Mancini and you got Hosmer, right. you got a perfect platoon situation who both can pick it at first base. So, um, but you also need a DH. So that could lend itself to Mervis making the team. Um, and I believe you look at the third base spot, Patrick wisdom to me gets, um, doesn't get the credit he's due 
for his defensive abilities. You know, do you sit behind me every day and we talk baseball every day and you know, I look at the third base position and I think all of us ex-players look at our position first and foremost on the field. I don't know if you do that, Tommy, but when you're just watching workouts, I look at the infielders, but, and I'm really locked in on a third baseman. I know what, what it takes to be successful there. I think Patrick Wisdom is an excellent third baseman. He does all the things right. So the third base spot is in good hands, but Morrell needs a little work at third just to tighten up his game, but he's extremely athletic like Wisdom. So I think the corner infield spots are, are pretty much set now going into camp. Hey, Coom, forgive me if I'm just uh, just a fan and not had to, I don't have baseball experience, but I was reading about how they're going to... I do this to you all football season. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> this, I, I almost wanted to call you because I was reading how in AAA baseball they're going to use robo-umps. How do you develop umpires for the major league if you're taking that level away from them in order to climb the ladder of experience? Well, you just don't. You're right on. I know where you're going. You're not. And I think our game, you know, people, the higher-ups um, are, it seems to me that they're trending towards getting away from a home plate umpire. Right? I, that's the way it looks to me. You're still going to have a guy back there, but I think the ball and strike situation is going to be called eventually by a box and a screen that you're going to see on TV. You have to have somebody back there, though, just in case something, the technology goes wrong or, you know, what happens if a guy bounces a, a curveball three feet in front of home plate and the catcher catches it right in the heart of the strike zone and it goes right, through the box right. and strike? I mean, you can see some of these goofy scenarios happening. It's just inevitable. But I, I don't know. There, there are parts of me that I love um, the umpiring, the way it was. The thing I miss is the personalities, too, of the guys, right? I mean, you just, whether it be the manager and the umpire and, the you know, the little bit of, all that's been taken away from our game. So I, I think umpiring now with all the videoing and all that is is making it very, very tough on guys to umpire. And then it's also making guys not want to do it. That's, you know, you're not, it's not the, the best job in the world to be questioned every, every single move you make. And that, that would be tough. So help me out here. As a hitter, if you Uh-oh. knew that every strike zone is the same, does that not help you? Yeah, no, it does. I don't disagree with that. I, I just, to me, there's going to be some glitches in it, right? I, there's going to be. We know that. I, I look at curveballs that they say are strikes on our monitor, and you listen to me, and you know, what I say sometimes can't be put on the air, but the catcher catches the ball, you know, it like short hops into his glove with a, with a big overhand curveball. Right. And it's in the box. And I'm like, yeah, it's in the box, but that box isn't right. That's my issue. Right. So there's going to be some issues with some of that, you know, the high fastball, the ball crossed the hitter when it passed the hitter and it got to his front shoulder. The ball was neck high. And then you say it's a strike. Have you ever tried to hit a neck high fastball? doesn't happen. But they're a strike in the box. And I'm like, see, you can't. So there's issues that, that, that there's just going to be issues with it. There's no doubt. There's nothing that's going to be perfect. And to Tommy's point, I think that's 
you know, we had some very colorful guys come out of our area, Z, that were umpires. You know, uh, Tommy Hellers, uh, to me, you know, we're never going to see those people again in our game, and that's the unfortunate part. Our final few moments here with Ron Coomer on the score. Give me the coolest thing that you experienced at Cubs convention this weekend. Um, I think opening ceremonies always take the cake for me. You know, I, I, uh, I love to see that grand ballroom at the Sheridan. It's absolutely packed. Um, and see our young guys come in and get to see them. Like Tommy was saying, you get to put a, a face with a name and, and see the person shake their hand. Um, that kind of thing. Um, I thought Marquis did an excellent job of televising it, but I really think see, the, the opening ceremonies, if you're a fan, you know, I played in New York with the Yankees and we got introduced. It was a one-time dinner and, you know, that was pretty cool. But the opening ceremonies for the Cubs, that's pretty special. I thought one of the coolest things was right in, in his opening uh, comments, Tom Ricketts, Cubs chairman's addressing the fans before he gets into everything that that the weekend was going to be about introduces the hall of famer our good friend pat hughes and the cool thing about radio is we're a part of your lives every single day during the season but we don't get to see you and i i think for pat to be able to see how much he is beloved by the fan base was really special a See, gee, I didn't get to see that. Oh. I didn't get to see that because I was backstage, right? You're in that back little area, mm-hmm. and there was no monitor. There was no, and so you're trying to look around the big curtain. But you heard so it. I saw Pat come up. I heard his ovation, but I didn't. You don't get to see what you want, oh, you know. Man. So I haven't been able. I'll, I'll watch it on marquee on a, on a replay. But I, I can tell you this: when he came off the stage, and then we got introduced five minutes later together, mm-hmm. him and I. Um, he was still glowing. I don't know if he touched his feet, touched the floor. So <laughs> I knew it was really good. <laughs> but we do have to talk to Stropy about uh, getting our friend uh, a fancy outfit for Cooperstown. I'm going to get him those shoes. I've invited Stropy up to the booth the first weekend, and I'm getting past some of those shoes. I'm getting them shoes. <laughs> they they were styling. That was awesome. You'd use a tie, maybe, but that, that's a story for another time. Real quick, before we say goodbye, Coom, your thoughts on the NFL playoffs this weekend? Because I know you had an eye on 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 what transpired. Well, yeah, we watched the uh, games, the second and third game yesterday. I watched some of the first when I was flying to the uh, to Florida. So, um, about the Vikings game, Tom, why does a guy throw a three yard out when you're fourth and eight in the game, the last play of the game? I think it was pre-predicted in his head. He knew exactly where he was going to go with the ball. He didn't worry about the protection, the, the receivers to get downfield. He just, this is where the ball is going to go, and I'm going to trust the player. Uh, take the blame away from yourself as a quarterback and say you trusted the player to be able to get the first down. Fourth and eight, the final play of the season, and you throw a three-yard out. I didn't right. understand that one. Uh, but um, last night's game, you know, I'm looking forward here. I'm in Tampa now. I'm in Clearwater. So tonight's a big game here for the Bucs. So it'll be um, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fever down here. Um, I'm about to go out on a boat, so I'm not going to think about football right now. I'm about to go out onto the golf, but um, 
the Bills, their their quarterback, they they look pretty good, don't they? They're a pretty good team, but they struggled too yesterday. I mean, everybody's had their struggles this playoff. Tommy, who do you think's going to win the Super Bowl? Who's your pick? That's in fact you're asking me. Hell, I'm just a fan like Tommy is a big. I mean, it, you know, it's it's hard to steer away from Mahomes just because of right? home, home yeah. field advantage of, and what they're uh, capable of doing. Um, but you know, I God, I I, I don't know. I, I guess that that would be my pick if I was going to try to pick one yeah. one guy right now. But you know, just. Uh, Kind of sentimentally, I'm I'm pulling for Tom Brady to keep this thing going as long as he possibly can. I don't think he's a Super Bowl threat, but you never know because they have a good defense when their when their team is healthy. But um, it's it's hard to steer away from Mahomes, and they've been sitting home resting now for a couple of weeks, and they're going to be fresh when they hit the field. Yeah, that's the biggest thing down here. We watch Tampa play a lot since the baseball season. When they lost some offensive linemen, their center in particular, the Jensen, is that his name? Yeah. Um, when they lost some of their offensive line, they were just a different team. But it's going to be fun to watch, that's for sure. All right. Go um, golf. Go go on your boat. Get a he's 10. He's not golfing. He's going onto the golf in a boat. Onto the golf in a boat. The cooler's packed. I'm ready to I mean, roll. No, you, I, I think every day in Florida, don't you golf at some point? <laughs> Well, he's got a private no. jet, so he golfs all over the country <laughs> on a moment's notice. Yeah, because that's what we have in Joliet and Lockport, Tom, is private jets that are <laughs> all day long. Landing at Joliet Municipal Airport on a grass <laughs> runway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Coob, it was great catching up. <laughs> you you guys, too, have a great day. Yep, always great to talk to Thanks, you. Thanks, Coom Dog. Coom Dog, Ron Coomer spending some time with us. Uh, always fun to talk baseball and more with Ron Coomer. You know, the three of us, when we get together, it's just magic. When we had those pandemic shows on oh. the weekends, both Saturday and Sunday at mm-hmm. our, and then you you could open the door to a lot more subjects that would be interesting to get into the mind of Coom Dog and stuff, whether it be about playing with an ex-Notre Dame player or, you know, some of the guys that he's been able to come across throughout his career and New York and everywhere else. And then, you know, going to the Cubs convention because we have the Bears convention down here too. And just the uh, the commitment and the passion and the opportunity to rub elbows with all the fans at these conventions is pretty cool. When the Bears used to hold the, the old fan convention at the Chicago Hilton, Hilton and Towers, right. there was <laughs> – I'll never forget my first one. There, there's, there's a guy who's wearing this leather jacket that's signed by – every Bears legend you can think of, right? Every single one. And he sees me, and he's walking, and he just stops, and and he freezes. He goes, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I turn around because I think he's talking to somebody behind me. You're Zach Zaidman. And I go, yes. You stand on the field where Ditka stood. I'm like, whoa. Wow, that's how intense it was. Yeah. Hey, listen, there, there's guy at the convention. Uh, if you look, there's a guy that has all of us actually autograph his body, and then he goes to the tattoo <laughs> and he gets our signature tattooed on his body. Yep. And if you look at his right upper trap, uh, that's right where <laughs> that's right where I signed. And it's it's amazing because, like I said, the the passion and the just the support and everything that you get to see out of these fans. That's why you want to 
reward them, want them to be rewarded with wins and success because of being able to see the support that the Bears commit on the road and at home, they deserve they deserve better. Could we see the Bears on hard knocks next season? We'll I discuss, hope not. No. We'll discuss next. 312-644-6767. Zach Saban, Tom Thayer on the score. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Zach Zaidman and Tom Thayer on Sports Radio 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. In for Molly and Haw this morning until 10 o'clock, 312-644-6767 is the phone number. So, Tom, I asked this question before the break. The Bears are one of those teams eligible to be put on hard knocks. You don't have the decision as the team. The NFL makes the decision. And you figure after what Justin Fields did this past season, he's one of the most popular players now in the NFL, definitely here. And... The Bears are one of those teams that when all is said and done this offseason, you know they're going to be movers and shakers just because of the, the cap space that they've got, the room to maneuver. They're the team with the top overall pick. So they're going to be talked about a lot this offseason. They've got some continuity with their coaching staff. You saw Detroit on hard knocks last year. And they've got more personalities, I think. Like Dan Campbell is not right. like most NFL coaches. Could you see the Bears on hard knocks? I, I think I could see it. I mean, I, I could see it too because they have some other, you know, fun personalities that, 
could you know would have fun doing the show back back in the day when I was playing and going through training camp I would not want to be a part of hard knocks mm-hmm. because training camp was a lot harder you know we had two practices a day of full pads we had the weight room we had meetings and everything nowadays there's more time to kind of feature these guys and film them because you only practice you know once a day in in pads and you know and sometimes you have open opportunities as long as it doesn't become a distraction, a developmental distraction, because you want to talk about how to get Justin Fields better, it's not about trying to make sure that he gets interviewed multiple times throughout the course of that when Hard Knocks is there and then takes away from study time, meeting time, or just kind of you know puts you in a, a hurried position during training camp. So what can you accomplish by having Hard Knocks there? You know, listen, Detroit was able to go from 1-8 and eight to uh, winning a consecutive games at the end of the year and, and ending with a good season. But um, I don't know if it's because of hard knocks. Like, just as long as it doesn't become a distraction that is more of a setback than a help. And then you don't want it to cause controversy inside the locker room where, oh, they're showing this guy so much and, you know, all the other guys at his position are getting jealous or, you know, they had a, a poor opinion of this guy because, you know, he had a bad practice or this guy, um, you know, I, I know in, in Arizona they were talking about on one of their episodes of in-season hard knocks right. is how much foul language Kyler Murray used. I, and I don't, I don't, you don't need that. You you need it to be, if they're going to do it, then do it professionally. Don't become a distraction and don't become decisive or, you know, a, dis, a distraction where it starts filtering into the locker room. I think it would be cool. I, I, I think for this fan base, which is so passionate to be able to see how things function behind closed doors because the bears are, you know, the the walls are up. So it's very hard to get an inside look at, at what transpires at Hallis Hall. They can't do any worse. But I don't need to watch you putting your socks on. I don't care about that. That's not why you're watching hard knocks. You're watching it for the, the relationships, the, the players that you probably don't know anything about other than, you know, guys that, that have an opportunity to to show their story based on what they do in practice and uh, in the, the preseason games and all that kind of stuff. I think it's a cool Would thing. you be okay if, the, if they called you in and this is your lifeline and all of a sudden they called you in to cut you and they wanted to film it no, so they I, had a sentimental episode? You know, there there are parts of it that I don't agree with. Listen, if... If, if they were doing hard knocks when I got cut by the Bears and all of a sudden I see a camera crew standing in Wanstead's office because he's about to cut me and they want to film it and get a veteran reaction from it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy about that. So there's things that, yeah, um, you know, could you do it nowadays because there's so much time on your hands? Yes. Could you do it back in our days with a guy like Ditka who would probably be awesome for hard knocks? You know, I, I, just, I just don't think it would be – you know, I don't think it would be really uh, helpful in terms of your development. All right, let's zoom out now, take a look at the NFC North, because you had Minnesota, the division winner this past season, go out in the fashion that the Vikings went out yesterday to the Giants. Detroit, you could make a case, was playing the best football in the division when the regular season ended Lions are going to be a factor. Yes. You know, I, yep. I know when when if if you go on social media or you listen to the score, 
to certain shows, what you hear is it's all fields. The Bears are the team that that that's on the rise. The Vikings are still a, a team that won the division. The Packers, as we check right now, they still have Aaron Rodgers. Right. And I know he didn't have the best season that he had. Uh, he probably had the worst season of his career since becoming Aaron Rodgers, right? But he's still there. The Lions are the team. That's the team that scares me. Me too. They have a lot of draft capital. Uh, they are, are trying to kind of formulate a reputation that's more like Dan Campbell than they were in their past head coaches they've had. He's a rough gruff type of guy he reminds me of a young Mike Ditka former tight end coached around the NFL and he's got that that type of personality he's got Chris Spielman in the front office I think that can make some good personnel moves Um, they have an environment over at the Lions Stadium that is now a lion backed crowd that is a hostile environment and very difficult to go in there and win. So yeah, I mean their their arrow is definitely pointed up, and um, but you know a lot of uncertainty about Green Bay and you know Minnesota. Are they going to keep Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator, who had kind of a, a pretty poor defense down the road? When you look at the Bears, I, I think if you want the blueprint for how to fix this. You look to Detroit. It's scary to say that, but it's true. You you look at the way the Lions brought in competent football people, not just Dan Campbell, but Brad Holmes, right. uh, the general manager, and and they've built it the right way in the trenches, both yep. lines. And it's not exciting stuff because, again, we've spent most of this season talking about how Justin Fields needs weapons here and weapons there. Give them an offensive line right. that creates comfort. And it's not exciting to talk about, but you also need a defensive line. That's the other thing that you notice watching the playoffs. Man, if you don't have a defense that can bring it at key moments, you have no chance. Right. You know what, you, what you're talking about is you want a team, you want to be on the score and you want to be talking about winning. You want to be talking about the Bears and winning. And it's going to be winning not because you brought in a special receiver. It's because, like the Detroit Lions, multiple first-rounders on the offensive line, multiple high draft choices on the defensive line. And then they are able to kind of um, – develop the abilities of the exterior plays. No one knew that Amon Ross St. Brown was going to be the player he is and he's turned into with the Detroit Lions. That you know that wasn't what you expected out of him, but he has turned into a great player. They have a solid running game, but it is it's about what you can do up front and how you can attack your opponents on both sides of the ball. And they still have a bunch of picks yeah. in the early portions of this year's draft. That's what's scary. That's why I think the Lions are there. This is not something that's an accident. This is not a fluke. What we saw last season. That's a team that's ready to take that next step. You know what's too with the draft capital they have. I think they pumped a lot of life into Jared Goff because here's a guy that kind of just got pushed to the curb after the trade with the Rams, and everybody was saying a lot of negative things about him. And Jared Goff has came in here and had one of the, the his one of his best seasons. So yeah, you may have a quarterback in place, but you may still have the ability to draft a quarterback that is can develop for a period of time behind. Jared Goff a lot like some of these other teams that have had that luxury. See, now why can you say that about Jared Goff? Like the Lions can go out there, and he's still young, and the Lions can go out there and draft a quarterback. If I mention that I'd like to see the Bears just 
study the quarterbacks that could be available in the draft. People go bananas. This team has won five games with Justin Fields as a starter over the last two years. Five. And I'm not saying he can't improve. And I'm not saying he can't be even significantly more better than he's been. But I think you owe it to yourself to take a look if, if you believe you can find a better passer. Now, it may be Fields who improves as the passer and you have confidence in him and you know what's going on behind the scenes and you surround him with all those weapons. You hit home runs uh, up front and, and on the edges. But to me, I think it's really hard to improve on some of the deficiencies that we've seen over the last two years. But you you know what the upside of Jared Goff is. You do not, you do, you're not even scratching the surface. You don't know what the upside of uh, Justin Fields is. And I think that's why you got to give Justin the respect of being in the NFL for a period of time in the same system. Now, if you if you change systems and terminology and have the next whiz kid come in here and try to introduce his confusing terminology that it it, it you know it takes a toll on the development of a quarterback instead of being able to help him, then you're right back to square one. And I and. I keep saying it that Justin needs time within the same system to ultimately develop what he's going to be. Jared Goff was in a system for a period of time with the Rams, and now he's uh, you know been in the same system for a couple of years with the Detroit Lions. Even with a guy that you can with you can draw from your experiences if you are a quarterback, but Justin is still a young, inexperienced quarterback that needs time within the same system. I saw Daniel Jones in one year. All of a sudden, yep. voila. Giants are in the playoffs. He looks like a completely different person. In one year after, and no one had more dysfunction around him in his rookie season. I know we talk about the, the Nagy experience here. No one had more dysfunction right. around him than, than Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville in year one. Right. But, you know, but but look at what they've come. You know, uh, when you look at Daniel Jones and having the experiences that he went through at Duke with David Cutcliffe as the uh, the quarterback coach there the, that developed the Manning brothers, you have a lot of experience in the one in the, with one system and one coach throughout your quarter, your college development that you can carry that through to the um, to your NFL game when you get a guy like Brian Dayball and his staff. But then when you got Justin, who transfers from one college to the next, mm-hmm. then has repeatedly different offensive coordinators, and now he's had a couple offensive coordinators in the NFL, there is no consistency. There is nothing. You know, I, I remember being on the same offensive line with the Bears for a period of time. And when we used to go to these mind-numbing three-hour meetings at the end of the day, going over the same information, the same terminology that we have for seven years, you know what's coming out of the coach's mouth before he ever says a word. And that's what Justin has to get used to. Like I said, by the time Luke calls half of the play into his helmet, he's got to be able to say the rest before Luke even completes his thought. Second time out, when we come back, we'll wrap things up. Zaidman and Thayer in for Mully and Hall on the score. You're listening to Zach Zaidman and Tom Thayer on Sports Radio 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Here until 10 o'clock in for Mullin Hall. It's been a fun morning after a great weekend of playoff football. And the cool thing about this new NFL, it's a Monday night playoff game right. for the first time. Dallas at Tampa. Boy, I, I don't. Dallas doesn't win this game. You got to figure, knowing Jerry Jones. There's no way he's sticking with Mike McCarthy. 
I mean, the goal in Dallas is to win championships, and they have not come close to doing that since McCarthy took but over. But I, I, this is also the biggest coach, uh, biggest coach game for the Tampa Bay coaching staff because their coach there is known for superior defensive skills, and he formulates a plan that can attack opponents' entire offense, passing game, running game, quarterback, and that's what has to happen today. And we've seen so many injuries throughout the season with Tampa, but then the last time they're out, they throw for 207 yards to Evans and three touchdowns. Is that going to happen again tonight? And then are they going to be able to get a plan together defensively that's going to limit the success of Dak Prescott, slow down their running game of Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard, and then you know they have good wide receivers and C.D. Lamb and the tight end and everybody else. Yeah, I'm. What I'm interested in seeing is Dallas. I, I think is the better team, but I don't think Dallas is going to win. I don't know. You know, Dallas. They they may have a better display of skilled players if you just put them through a combine. Right. I don't know if they're a better team because they lack discipline. They have so many penalties. They get um, wrong. Like last week, they threw a little bit of flare pass out to Ezekiel Elliott. He wasn't aware the ball was coming to him, but the quarterback threw it behind him. So it's not like, okay, Dak Prescott sets back, confirms the receiver is aware, and then throwing him the ball. He just steps back, gets to his final step, and releases the ball. And Ezekiel Elliott is still running forward when the quarter uh, the ball is landing at his feet. So, um, yeah, a display of talent, uh, Dallas for sure. Because when you're talking about a 20-something-year-old quarterback versus a 45-year-old quarterback, that 40 is going to be won by Dak Prescott. So, Again, I don't necessarily think that Mike McCarthy has put together a disciplined team that plays within the rules of the game during the game itself so they don't create some penalty that is going to be a setback or helpful to the other team. All right, we've got a minute and a half to go here. So let's take a look ahead. Let's let's take a look ahead to next week, at least the matchups that we know that are going to be played. Jacksonville at Kansas City. Kansas City. Is it even close? Yeah, it's going to be close, but I still take Kansas City. Cincinnati at Buffalo. <sighs> Buffalo. I think they'll take advantage of the injuries on the offensive line of Dal- of uh, Cincinnati. So you don't think you're going to see mistakes from Allen that the Cincinnati defense can capitalize I think on. you may see some mistakes, but I think with the um, with Allen, the receivers, the running game, and just the deficiencies of the offensive line by Cincinnati, advantage Bills. Well, you wonder, man, Cincinnati, and and you, they've got a gripe. I, I'm with them on this. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. You know, why isn't that game being played at a neutral site? I agree. I just think that they, you know, they were they had no idea how to handle the aftermath of the Hamlin situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is all kind of exploratory territory now for the NFL. Giants at San Francisco. No, uh, sorry, Giants at Philadelphia. Um, if Jalen Hurts plays and he's healthy, I'm going to take Philly. If Jalen Hurts isn't a hundred percent, the kind of the guy that we saw last week, where he's out there, functional, but he didn't look like Jalen Hurts. I'm going to take the Giants. Really? Yeah. You're very high on on 
what you saw yesterday in Minnesota from them. Well, I am because also the Giants have already proved that they can go into one of the more hostile environments um, in the NFL and still function on the line of scrimmage. And that was the key that I was watching yesterday is how organized the snap count was for the Giants because we've been in that stadium when it can be as loud as it can be. Man, Tom, it was fun. Yeah, Zach. Thank you so much. Thank you. Molly and Har back tomorrow. Zach Zaidman saying thanks for listening. Special thanks to our executive producer, Leo Stadahar, in his uh, maiden voyage with us here yes. in the mornings on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.